Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Communication Means Talking Together. This is Arjun Bakshi. Today I thought we would speak about a concept that gets talked about a lot in the professional world, but more recently, even in the academic world, college students, especially at elite institutions. And that concept is imposter syndrome. Now, some of us have heard of this topic and maybe it's new to others. So let's just define it. The concept is simple. You feel that where you are, which usually is a place of some prestige, some success, could be you're at an Ivy League institution, or it could be that you are at a very large or prestigious company. You have a nice job, nice salary, good benefits, and everyone thinks the world of you one way or another. But you personally, deep down, worry. And maybe you feel you don't deserve to be there. You don't belong there. It was a fluke. You don't really know what you're doing. And you almost lack the will or the wherewithal to truly do the job. And it's almost like you feel like you're faking it. Does that sound like you? It's a common problem. And according to some surveys, as many as 40% of Ivy League students uh, feel this way. And just as many folks in professional world might also feel that way. Related but not directly connected is a similar problem where employers find that when they put a job ad out, some people will apply even if they're severely underqualified and others will not apply unless they are supremely qualified. The idea is somewhere we don't have a good read on ourselves and perhaps there's a few ways that we can overcome that. Let's start. Knowing whether or not we belong in a particular place, be it a place of work or an educational institution. Part of it is, of course, measurable. You got the job. You got it accepted. You have a certain resume. You have a certain, shall we say, standardized test score, whatever score or whatever test it might be. There are some concrete things that you can look at, and I recommend putting them in hard copy in front of you. If there is perhaps a photograph of you in a prestigious place at a prestigious occasion, shaking someone's hand, posing for a selfie with somebody, accepting an award, take a moment and take all those artifacts, place them on a table, Look at them one by one. Try and talk to yourself, hopefully when you have a private moment, and try and think back to the story that led to that photograph or that award or whatever other occasion or honor it might have been. Write a few 
quick stories down for yourself, maybe just one line each. How did I win this award? What was it for? What was I up against? What did it take for me to even apply for it? Let's add to that another piece. Ask yourself what it took for you to gather the skills you have. And related to that, what skills do you think you have? Some of it might be pretty evident, again, in a resume or a curriculum vitae. Take a look at those. Some folks are very good at communication skills. Some folks are excellent at programming. And some are good, not at one thing in particular, but at a constellation of things that allow them to do something big. And maybe what we need to look at is, whatever skill sets we have, what is it indeed that they allow us to do that makes an impact in the place we work or the people we work with? Especially if this is, if you're a professional, right? Imagine for a moment, uh, you're unable to make it to work, right? Perhaps it's a sick day, perhaps there's some personal reason. What is the degree of difficulty that would be put upon your colleagues if you're not present, if you're not able to contribute to work that day? You may find that it takes multiple people several hours of complex effort to fill in for you. If indeed that is the case, you want to write that down. And now look back just as we pause at this particular juncture, your skills, your accomplishments, your stories, your memories, what it takes to fill in for you at the place you work. And now try and think about all of things, all of those things put together. Is that an imposter? Is that someone that doesn't belong in a certain situation? Is that someone that doesn't deserve that handsome pay packet or deserve to be on an elite campus? I would think you do deserve to be there. What we do from there, of course, is we take this realization, this story, right? And it's a true story. It's a real story about yourself, your true self. And now you want to, in a humble and grateful manner, talk about the story in different occasions. Because what you're trying your best to do is that your fearful side of your mind, right? The part that questions you, doubts you. You're trying to drown out that negative voice with the positive. So the more in personal introductions, hi, my name is so-and-so, right? That you throw in a line or two, you know, your credentials, your achievements, as relevant, not boasting in an inappropriate manner, but just to, to introduce yourself and to establish credibility. The more you start saying that out loud, as you're talking, you're hearing yourself uh, sort of say these credential building words. And you're possibly even, if you're being observant, watching the reaction of the people listening to you. 
Are they engaged? If not, we need to work on our speaking skills. Do they have questions? What are those questions like? Are they questions of confusion? Let's work on how we word things. Keep things short. Be to the point. Be emphatic where needed. Leave extra details out. Are they questions of fascination? Make note of what people are interested in that you speak about. Remember, every time you speak well of yourself, again, appropriately, without boasting, you start to make a concrete version of yourself that is true to life, that is yourself, and that is more and more impervious to the doubts of your mind. Now, on to a related topic. How do we correctly criticize ourselves or hold ourselves accountable without falling prey to imposter syndrome? Because the last thing we need is that we go completely the other direction, wherein yesterday you had imposter syndrome and you underplayed yourself. But now you have too much confidence and now people can't stand you. We don't want that, right? So we need to let out the hot air in just the right amount, in just the right way, so that we stay as much as possible on a positive but even keel. Great. Now we have a goal. How do we get here? Well, first of all, for every credibility building item, you can start once, once you've sort of deadened that really catastrophic voice, right? Telling you you're no good, etc. That's, that's, that's absolutely not what we want going on in the back of our heads. We replace that over time with a conscious, positive and friendly, but very honest voice. Okay. Which is more, more conscious rather than subconscious, more active than passive. And this voice tells us, Hey, you know, that paper I turned in, I got an A minus, which is great. I want to know what could I do to get an A? Note one thing I, I, I did in that prior sentence. I consciously avoided using the word, but the reason is that in application, when we talk to each other, if we say things like, but, and however, what happens is, and these are conjunctions, right? From a grammar point of view, whatever's said right before the word, but, or however, or some such gets negated. And then the only thing people focus on, including us ourselves, right? Speaking to ourselves, we end up not digesting mentally speaking, the positive side, and we only think of the negative. What instead we're trying to do is focus on constant self improvement. We meet a certain standard, no doubt, after all the hard work you put in all the advice you take, all the effort and all the research, you probably reach a certain point where you're doing what you're expected to be doing at a competent level. The challenge is going from competence to excellence. How do we get there? That's where this honest self critique comes in. It should be just sharp enough to be true and cut through the BS. 
and not so sharp, it, it pops our self-esteem totally. So let's try and uh, take a few more examples. Like the first one that I mentioned. Let's say you turn in a paper. Let's say you're a college student. You got an A-, minus, which is a laudable grade for many. But it's always good to know, maybe that 5% or 10% roughly, that was, was docked from your grade. What's the room for improvement? Perhaps it was something that's a simple fix. Like if I had just proofread it one more time, shown it to somebody with a fresh, uh, uh, who looked at it with fresh set of eyes, and that alone could have saved me those five or 10 points. That's an easy fix, right? And you should, be, you should feel good about that, that you're improving a process and a technique and creating a system to minimize exceptions, errors, and uh, other kinds of disappointments. Similarly, let's say we take an example from the professional world. In every line of work, and perhaps in another episode we've spoken about this, it's always nice to have feedback frequently from a mentor. Could be the person you report to, does not have to be. So when we candidly seek, probably in a, in a, in a sort of comfortable situation, one-on-one -on -one situation, feedback. What, we, what we're hoping to get is a clear, actionable item that we can work on to improve our output, improve our presence, improve our personality, and most importantly, improve our relationship with each person we work with. Some companies are very active and very thoughtful about this, and they're able to make it a very linear process. You have organized, formalized meetings. If, they, if you don't at your place of work, I highly recommend you suggest it. And if it's in your hands, just implement it. You have regular, shall we say, one-on-one -on -one meetings between a boss and the people that report to that boss. Progress is noted progress that's related to the job description, but also progress in their career growth overall. And if that can be attached to a pathway to promotion and people feel that there is a prize at the end of this journey, maybe it's a two-year journey, and there's specific deliverables to be completed over the next, let's say, 18 to 24 months, and then there's follow-ups every six or eight months, it gives each person something to shoot for and something to be motivated by. And maybe that's the big takeaway is the best thing we can do is keep a positive goal. Could be a promotion, could be a good grade at school, could be graduation, could be owning your own business. Keep a positive goal for yourself to motivate. And you or you alone are your best and worst critic. You don't miss any opportunity to make a note for self-improvement, but don't also miss any opportunity to give yourself the due credit when you've earned it. So putting it all together, imposter syndrome is an unnecessary feeling because everyone is who they are. And in this cutthroat competitive world, no one has time to give anybody free prizes that they don't deserve.
Everybody's gunning for a limited number of spots, be it at school, be it at work, be it in the economy at large, be it in society. You have earned what it took to get into the door of the place you're in. The only thing that remains from here is what you do with it. With that, I bid you adieu. If you enjoyed this episode, please do like and share and subscribe. And we will see you next time.